Everyone, remain calm. Yeah, ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. And later there's running and screaming. Somebody talk to me, what is happening? Welcome to Jurassic World. You're listening to the Jurassic Park Podcast. You want to consult here or in my bungalow? <laughs> Hold on to your butt. Well, we're back. Hello and welcome to the 119th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Jost, and we're here to discuss all things Jurassic Park. In this episode, there is a birthday to celebrate and some news. Then we'll take a long-awaited trip back into the visitor center and speak with Stephen Ray Morris from the podcast See Jurassic Right. We discussed growing up Jurassic Park fans, podcasting, and I tested his worth in a new portion of the visitor center, so you won't want to miss that. Over the weekend, we had a ton of coverage from Frontier Expo. James Hawkins and Steve Hurl attended the expo for the podcast and uncovered the unveiling of the Jurassic World Evolution gameplay footage and more. They were able to interview a ton of people, developers, Jack Horner. Don't miss the first installment of their coverage that we uploaded to the podcast feed over the weekend. Go back, check the feed, make sure you downloaded it, and give it a listen. They tried to pry out some extra information, so you'll have to listen to find out. Lastly, here in the intro, I wanted to remind you that it is Jurassic Park Week over on Victoria Cantina's YouTube channel. Now, she is showcasing even more toys from the Jurassic series with JP Carnotaur, Ted Brothers, and the Jurassic Collection. But the kicker this time around is that all the proceeds from these videos this week will be donated to the Susan G. Komen Race for the Cure Research Initiative. So please, go watch her videos, give them a like, share them around, tell your friends to watch. Also, we can help support Victoria in this generous endeavor. I'll be sure to post all the links in our show notes and you'll see the videos on our website after they debut on her YouTube page. All right, well that was an extended but surely well-deserved intro, so let's get this episode started off with a bit of Jurassic news from around the world. 18 minutes and your company catches up on 10 years of research. Access rate program. Access security. These pictures were taken in hospital in Costa Rica 48 hours ago. I don't want to jump to any conclusions, but look. Boy, my head being right all the time. But today, I guarantee it. Chronicle Collectibles have another pre-order announcement ready on their Facebook page. It's for the Jurassic World Indominus Rex. Let me read a little bit from the press release on their page. Friday, October 13th at 12 p.m. CST, Chronicle Collectibles is proud to announce our Indominus Rex, sculpted by ILM and IREX creator Glenn McIntosh. The IREX is part of a two-piece set based on the final scene from Jurassic World, where the IREX and the T-Rex stand off in an epic battle. T-Rex and Blue will be offered at a later date. The pre-order price is $750 regular retail after 30 days, $800. This is a massive dinosaur coming in at nearly 30 inches long and 12 inches tall will be the centerpiece of your Jurassic Park collection. This piece will interlock with the T-Rex creating a diorama that will be around 5 feet long. Even if you don't purchase both dinosaurs, the displays will work individually. This is the first high-end licensed dinosaur created for Jurassic 
Jurassic World. ILM and Glenn McIntosh have created an Indominus Rex that is dynamic and very light on her feet. So there you have it. Of course, this promo image looks really good. If you want to check it out, we have the pictures in our show notes. And of course, the link to Chronicle Collectibles. Stay tuned because on October 13th, you will be able to pre-order this at 12 p.m. CST. This Tuesday, October 10th, is Michael Giacchino's birthday. He is the composer of the Jurassic World score and also the upcoming film Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Happy birthday, Michael, and I can't wait to hear what you produce for the next film in the series. Oh, there it is. There it is. Let's open up the doors to the Visitor Center and welcome in Stephen Ray Morris, podcast producer and host of See Jurassic Right. It's been a quick second, but we're back in the visitor center, surrounded by these beautiful fossil beasts, and of course, that perpetual construction that's going on behind me for some reason. Uh, but today, I'm joined by a fellow podcaster who you've probably heard from the podcast See Jurassic Right. We've got Stephen Ray Morris here today. How are you, man? I'm doing fabulous. Thank you for having me. The visitor center looks great. The mural up close is really beautiful. Yes. Uh, yeah. I'm, I wish one day, that's the dream, right, is to get one of those murals like just on a, <laughs> on a wall in your house or something. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know if I've ever thought of it that way. I really need to do that. I got a basement. I think I'm going to you know commission somebody to paint that right now, actually. I got to find an it artist. Could be like, yeah, it could be like... Um, or like in Aliens where, um, you know, Ripley, it's like she's in the, like a, you think she's in the forest and it like pulls back and it's like a screen. Like what if you did that? Oh, yeah. Uh, was it William Stout who did that mural? Like just all the way around, like a full 360 of like in dress. I mean, yeah, that, that would be the dream. Dude. Yeah. I'm going to do that. You know, like, like actually the lost world, Jeff Goldblum, he's, he's yawning on the screen and you, you know, pan out and you're like, Oh, he's in the subway. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, you're right. That That's actually a, that's actually a better reference, but, yeah. or a better reference to that kind of thing. <laughs> I'll have <laughs> to so get funny. like a nice beachy scene painted behind me or something like that. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that'll be interesting. We'll see if I can do that. I got to find an yeah. artist. Um, so, uh, you know, usually I ask everybody uh, a single question here. Um, my wife introduced me to this concept, so I, I like doing it, and I've in- asked Ooh. pretty much every guest that uh, that has been on the show. So um, here we go. If you were stuck in a kitchen with a Velociraptor, what would you do, and would you make it out alive? Oh, man, that's such a great question. Um, I mean, oof. I guess I the, 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 the answer I should have is... Uh, you know, pull a Lex and, and, you know, try and find something, uh, you know, with a mirror so I could trick the Velociraptor. But part of me would just oh, like welcome the sweet release of being oh, eviscerated by a Velociraptor. Because <laughs> yeah. then later, like after you're gone, everyone's like, dude, Steven got mauled to death by a Velociraptor. Like that's crazy, right? Yeah. And then it's like, that's, that would be my claim to fame. Like, and next thing you know, you're wel- on a mural on welcome- somebody's basement wall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd be part of that mural of just me, like, just sort of, like, welcoming, like, the rap, like, giving it a hug, and then it just probably not knowing what to do, and then, but, um, 
I mean, really, I mean, especially if it's a, I mean, I'm imagining she's thinking like the kitchen from the movie. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like as far as kids go, I feel like their strategy worked out really well because I think if you're a full grown adult, I don't think you could hide as well as they did. So I feel like yeah. I might just have to, you know, I might just have to embrace, uh, you know, the velociraptors. Yeah, I, I, I've gotten that answer quite a bit. And I, I, you know, one of these days I got to edit them all together, all the responses I've gotten, <laughs> just to see like what the what the technique is, which is the best one. And most of the time, people are just like, I don't think I would make it out alive. I don't think there's any scenario where I can get out of this situation. And yeah, you fulfilled that too, too pretty well. Oh, so. I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I've joined the lineage of great guests <laughs> yeah, that yeah. you've had so far. I think I think it's one of those things too, where it's like, you know, even in the world today, there are ways to meet uh, big predators, like uh, tigers, especially. Excuse me. And I just think that, like, I just don't think I give off the confident enough energy to survive a tiger. I think a tiger would look at me and be like, you're a snack. Like, you are bred. Mm-hmm. You're like a deer. You're meant to be eaten. And yeah. I just don't think I could. Definitely didn't. don't think I could fake it till I make it. I, I think in this kind of scenario, I would just have to be like, you know what? I'm part of this is my uh, this is where I am at in the food chain. Yeah. You know, the closest I got to this scenario, I was in South Africa on like, you know, a safari tour for my uh, uh, what do you call it? Honeymoon. And um, so, <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah, we're on like the back of like a, you know, a Jeep essentially and just staring directly into the eyes of like lions and cheetahs and stuff and you're like please please stay where you are you know like don't don't come any closer i mean you're pretty close this is very cool but also don't eat me like don't jump on this vehicle right now you know you're not surrounded by a walled vehicle looking through a window you're you're just in a wide open vehicle like that thing could maul me at any point and it's it's terrifying so i can imagine being in front of a raptor and you just look at it like i i i don't think i could I couldn't punch the thing. Like, I don't think it would care. <laughs> you know, like that's some thick skin. So you're I right. don't know. You're so right about that. It's funny. People punch sharks all the time, but nobody's, nobody's talked about punching a tiger. And I, yeah, <laughs> I definitely don't think you could punch a velociraptor. I think, yeah, I yeah. think if, a, I, I honestly think it's, there's an element too of like predators. Like, I think if a velociraptor were staring at you and you looked right into its eyes, I think you'd be mesmerized. Like, I think that's kind of what happens to Muldoon. Like, yeah. you know, like yeah. in his last moment, he's sort of like absorbed in this moment and then he's eaten. Yeah, I was going to ask you that because you mentioned like just welcoming it. And I thought about Muldoon and, you know, he's he's built up to be this amazing, um, you know, dude like that that can handle any kind of situation he's been out in in the you know wilderness and stuff before he's been around predators all his life but then he just he just lets it happen he just like he he, he'd rather go for the clever line than than shoot the the (laughs) you know the raptor and stuff like that so it's really interesting how that all worked out and i always wonder what is his thought process in that moment yeah i think I mean, I think a great hunter knows when he's bested. I mean, I think it's kind of like Roland Tembo. Like, he's just kind of like, you know what? I've suffered enough losses. I know when to count myself out like he does in the, you know, near the end of the Lost World. Uh, he doesn't keep hunting, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, think, I think Muldoon is probably a lineage of, in, in that same kind of lineage. Yeah, he's essentially just bowing down. You know, he's been defeated. There's no way out. And <laughs> if that one didn't get him, there's probably another two somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. 
So, uh, you know, I know you got a lot of stuff going on with with podcasts and everything else you're currently doing, but I do want to travel back to the beginning. Ooh. Find out when this all started, you know, your Jurassic obsession. When did this start for you? I mean, it definitely started... Um, I mean, I think... You know, again, just like a lot of us growing up, we were obsessed with dinosaurs as a kid. And, you know, I think they really go hand in hand, especially for people who are kind of in their late 20s, early 30s. Like that's, you know, I'm 30 and it was just I was at the perfect age to like I mean, Jurassic Park really came at the perfect time, I think, for somebody my age, because I think if I had been. mm, I mean, I I don't know. It's hard to tell sometimes because I, you know, on my podcast, I've talked to a lot of people who were born after Jurassic Park came out and it's no different. So what Mm -hmm. do I know? But uh, I just think being six years old when Jurassic Park came out was like the perfect, I don't know. It felt to me like this like super spark of like, I was, I was like starting to become aware of things, but then I also still had kind of some some innocence i guess i don't know but mm-hmm. um uh yeah I, I liked dinosaurs you know because i have all these you know books and stuff and and remember liking dinosaurs so of course it was sort of only natural i think for parents to be like well there's this big dinosaur movie coming out we should take our kids to it so seeing jurassic park when i was in theaters when my dad took me and sort of really being mesmerized by it and you know sort of jokingly say that it's like that's sort of i feel like when like there's before Jurassic Park and after Jurassic Park. It almost <laughs> feels like that's like a very key early, uh, you know, new synapses being born and stuff in my brain, you know, sort of thing. So that's when it really began. And I, my pretty much my entire childhood up through, because uh, Jurassic Park 3 came out um, the summer before my freshman year of high school. So it was like that, you know, that period from 6 to, to, to 14 was like... Th- the Jurassic Park adolescence kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think we had a pretty similar trajectory when it comes to this fandom. You know, I was seven going on eight uh, oh, in October. Perfect. But, um, yeah, it's it's something about that time frame because you're super into to dinosaurs and everything like that. Like, these mythical creatures essentially are, are new and, and magical and all that stuff. So, you know, I had the same thing, all these books and everything. And then you you come across this movie and you're like, it's the greatest thing I've ever seen. Like, there's nothing that can top this. And, you know, all these characters and everything in the toys. There was just so much to latch on to as, like, a six- or seven-year-old. Yeah, I mean, it was the perfect... I mean, just imagine... I, I wonder what it was like for, you know, somebody who's maybe a, a bit older and it's, like, your first... um your first dinosaur movie was like the Ringo star film, like caveman. Like what if that was your first, you were a dinosaur nut as a kid. And then your first look at seeing dinosaurs, I actually really like caveman, that Ringo star movie, but not necessarily for the dinosaurs, but like, uh, it's a very underrated satire comedy thing. But, um, you know, I feel like we got the perfect dinosaur movie. Yeah. Like, you know, like it was just handed to us. I mean, it was almost like, I feel like it was just very natural in that way for us to, fall in love like it was just a perfect gift yeah you know you do have a point though about the the younger generations i guess because they are just as you know involved as we are and and love this as much and i guess for me that would be like you know star wars or even you know some of indiana jones and stuff like that those came out before i was born and 
I love them, you know, nearly just as much. And I go crazy for them. Can't wait for the new movies and all that stuff. Like, you know, we're still waiting for, you know, more Star Wars and Indiana Jones. And, you know, they were before my time. So I'm still obsessed just as I guess any younger person is now. And especially with with the franchise continuing, it's just continually growing, I guess. Yeah. And I can imagine it would be very exciting. I have a really good friend, um, my, uh, my friend Holland, who I worked with for a bit and, and, um, she is a huge X-Files fan, but she grew up after the show was already, uh, she grew up, she was a fan after the show already went off the air. So for her, when it was coming back this, you know, last year, a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. it was just such a, it, I just, it was just such a thrilling, uh, for her, she was saying it was such a thrilling thing to see advertising it to be in for it to be part of the conversation. And I can imagine for somebody who's born after the Jurassic Park franchise kind of went, you know, when it was dormant, I, I imagine that when Jurassic World was first coming out and now Fallen Kingdom coming out next year, how exciting it must be to like be around when advertising and it in commercials and just sort of being part of the general conversation again i i can imagine for people who had never experienced that the first time mm-hmm. that being super cool sorry can i swear uh i imagine it being super cool for um for people who had never experienced that marketing blitz like for, i think for both of us lost world was probably our really big uh movie because that was like toys commercials burger king talk shows you know just like that lost world was the big um you know being a bit older sort mm-hmm. of experiencing you know where every, where the mainstream was obsessed with with uh one of the jurassic park films that was those are my clearest memories if anything is of when the lost the preamble to the lost world coming out yeah yeah same here you know i i, I look back actually i was doing like, like videos from christmas of 93 and i'm watching myself opening these these dinosaur toys and and figures and stuff and i'm i'm going nuts over it so at that point i had certainly seen the movie and i just don't know what my perspective was on on the franchise as a whole you know i don't really remember much during that time frame but you're right when the lost world comes around you all of a sudden know you know you you can sense a lot more and you know what's going on you're older and you have you have this want to collect all these toys and to play with them and just create these scenarios in your head there's a lot more going on on around that time yeah, no, I imagine for somebody, yeah, I imagine for, you know, I mean, that's awesome that you actually have footage of you opening your drug. Cause I've, I got, um, Jurassic, I got the visitor center for Christmas of 93 oh, nice. and there's a great photo of me on the Instagram, uh, or will be eventually at some, or it's, it's somewhere. Um, but, uh, of me like playing with the visitor center when I'm like six years old, but that's <laughs> awesome that you have actual video footage of it. That's really cool. You should yeah. put that up somewhere if you I, haven't already. I don't know if I, I thought I went to do it one episode. I'm not sure if I did or not. I think I did. It's like ran out of time and didn't do it. But, um, I know I covered, uh, I think last Christmas with Jay Jurassic, we covered like our experiences from that time. And I had no idea. Like I said, I don't remember anything from that time frame essentially, but um, I just, re- you know, watched the footage and I kind of described what I went through. And it was it was awesome oh, to cool. watch because you can tell I am so excited. And, and I know the characters. I know the, the dinosaurs and all that. So I'm sitting there watching it like, how? How do I know all this stuff? How am I that <laughs> versed in all of this at seven years old? Like that just, or I guess by Christmas I was eight. But like, it just shows how deep this obsession runs through people in our generation. I guess not just our generation, but 
you know, in our generation specifically because that was, I feel like, the perfect time. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, I've been doing a segment um, on my pod where I'm having, I'm having, like, I mean, again, the, my these people are so gracious, but, you know, I, I'm lucky to be surrounded by a lot of really talented performers. And so they've been basically acting out my childhood fan fiction that I wrote right after The Lost World came out. So it's, you know, I was 10 years old. This was 20 years ago. And the funny thing that they've all kind of been observing when they're reading this stuff, it's like, oh, you spelled the dinosaurs' names correctly, but you can't even spell the word boat or vehicles <laughs> or, you know, there, there, and there. And, you know, yeah. grammar and all that stuff is terrible, but for some reason you can spell, uh, you know, Parasaurolophus and Diplodocus <laughs> and Deinonychus. You know, it's like, it, what is it about dinosaurs and Jurassic Park specifically that sort of allows that sort of uh childhood neuroses to like flourish in a weird it's it's weird that it, that it does that but it, it's something i've noticed with so many people that you know Jurassic Park fans that we know and and also listeners that we've come into contact with that seems to be like a a running theme yeah and i i think Jurassic Park captured that perfectly because you know Tim Murphy for for a lot of us he was us you know he was that child that knew all the dinosaurs. He was, you know, crazy about them. And he essentially was just reflecting all of us as kids at that point in time. Lex was a little bit different unless you were, you know, maybe a little bit older and into computers and all that. But as for dinosaurs and all that, he was essentially mirroring all of us, which was just killer as a kid because I just, I wanted to be him so bad. And, you know, you watch this movie and you're like, I can't, I wish I had, you know, had the chance to bend Tim or, you know, whatever. It just, yeah, it's just so awesome that they captured that perfectly for all of us. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was like the, you know, he's number one. He was the OG Jurassic Park fanboy. (laughs) He gets invited on tour, you know, gets to meet the rock stars, you know, gets to meet Alan Grant and Dr. Ellie Sattler. Like, um, speaking of which, we're recording on Joseph Mazzello's birthday. So, uh, happy birthday to Joseph Mazzello. (laughs) Yeah, and the fact that even in the movie, um, you know, Joe's uh, Joe has to like respond for for Grant at time. Grant's like Tim, what's the name of this one? And he's like, you know, the Gallimimus part. But it's just so funny how that works, and that's something that people still say today is that you know kids know these things better than any adult. You know, even maybe even paleontologists. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, we're we're. We're we're obsessed and nobody's paying, you know, as a child, nobody's paying you to be obsessed with these things, no. but it's like you do it because it, it, again, it's that thing of, you know, it just dinosaurs sort of spark an, 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 your imagination better than almost anything. Yeah. And I do find interesting, though, the people maybe in uh, the generations before us, even that that got into this through the book and the novel and all that, you know, how how they view it, because maybe they weren't into collecting the toys and. Maybe when they saw the film, they didn't necessarily love it because, I mean, you know how vast the book is. It's so so different um, in yeah. many aspects. But the the movie captures it in a way that, I guess, kids and, and younger generations could enjoy it. But obviously they enjoy it too. But I just wonder what that experience was like knowing it was so different than the book. Yeah. No, that was something very interesting, I, th- I think. Because I did an episode where we just sort of focused on the... Uh, on the Sea Jurassic Ride podcast, we just focused on the book, and I talked to um, two individuals, uh, comedian Jared Logan, uh, who writes on the James Corden show, and 
and my friend Se Young, and both of them actually had read the book before the movie. But Se Young's like our age, but Jared was a little bit older. And I think just coming at a perspective of like, of this, I mean, really, I think it, I think it, what it came down to is like the movie sort of kind of like creates a more palatable, palatable, a more palpable (laughs) version of the book where it's like, it's just the part that sparks the imagination and not necessarily the political and businessy intrigue that might not necessarily get us excited, you know, as kids, you know, Mm -hmm. the sort of corporate espionage plots and stuff are kind of left on the cutting room floor, you know, in a way. And so Spielberg sort of just got the essence of what we love about the, about what, you know, at least what he loved about the original book. And I think what he thought would appeal most to a lot, you know, audiences of all ages. Yeah. And the good thing about that is by leaving a lot of it on the cutting room floor is that, you know, they're able to spread it out throughout, you know, four movies now, hopefully five. And, you know, one of those scenes that, that stood out to me because my mom was reading it. That was my introduction to this all, actually, I, now that I you know think about it a little bit. But she was reading the book before, I guess, the movie came out. And, um, yeah, I just remember, like, her being freaked out and had to stop reading because there was, like, a raptor den scene. I forget specifically the d- details of that scene, but I think there's a raptor den scene. It's very dark and creepy. And that's something that hasn't really come to light in any of the movies. So that's, like, one of those scenes that I'm like, please don't do that you know do something like that that the you know they they talk about it i think even um maybe some concept art or something like that for jurassic world showcase like a raptor den of sorts so i would love to see something like that in the next movie yeah it's it's kind of insane how how like even after all these years you know i mean jurassic world i mean so much of henry Wu's stuff was taken from the original book the Mm-hmm. I almost feel to me the feeling of the overall structure of Jurassic World feels more like the original book because it's like you know the park wasn't open in the book but the idea of like going down and then kind of returning to a home base and then going back out again into the wild and then that you know that sort of back and forth structure was to me very similar to the original book where it's like you know the power goes out but then they get it back up and then it goes down again and it's like that instead of you know in the in the movie where once it's the fan it you know that it just goes from there but um yeah it's it's kind of i mean i wonder if there's any other i mean i guess you could almost look to tv shows in that example of like what's an original story you know an original book that has it's the gift that keeps on giving you know in mm-hmm. in the fact is like uh, i just recently reread the lost world book and there's i it I was almost shocked at how much, like I like you know from memory growing up, and I I haven't read. I think this is my first time rereading The Lost World in maybe like five years or something like that, and maybe longer than that. And I'm almost shocked at how much there is in that book that like is so untapped to still be brought to life cinematically. So I mean, I you know, Jay Bayona, if you're out there, uh, (laughs) you know. I mean, the movie's already done. So yeah, maybe it's, we'll it's to, too late we'll have now. To wait for, <laughs> we're after Jurassic World 3, you know? Yeah. Uh, get those Carnotauruses. I mean, I guess they got the camouflage part of the Carnotauruses in there, but, uh, you know. Yeah. Or the motorcycle chase with the Velociraptor with the hoop around its mouth. Uh, 
somebody trapped in a cage as it's being kicked around, you know, and Arby's being kicked around in the cages. Like that stuff is that whole, that whole uh, chase raptor chase, like the dual raptor chase in the lost world book is so cool. And it's like, mm-hmm. I would love to see that realized on screen in some form. Yeah. You know, it's funny how much Jurassic world gets criticized at this point for a lot of these aspects that actually were part of the books. And all you can do is just sit there and be like, well, I mean, yeah, if you didn't like it, that's fine. But it was part of this, you know, it did come from somewhere. It's not just like, you know, pulled out of thin air. Yeah, I, I have a feeling I, I, I'm i excited about Fallen Kingdom because I think in some ways this, you know, these new Jurassic Park movies are kind of in a way like, you know, like Marvel or Star Wars. They, they have a little bit of a bigger picture in mind. Mm-hmm. And and just from what I've heard, I, I feel like I'm I'm in kind of a weird way. I when I was I was on a flight recently and I watched uh, Alien Covenant, mm-hmm. and I have very mixed feelings about Prometheus. But Alien Covenant, weirdly, uh, you know, the sequel to Prometheus, um, weirdly made me appreciate Prometheus a little bit more. It sort of retroactively made me enjoy Prometheus more, and I yeah. wonder maybe. If, if you know just what the rumors are out there about Fallen Kingdom I wonder if it's going to do the same thing for um, I wonder if it's going to do the same thing for, for Jurassic World in that way for people who didn't like Jurassic World or were kind of lukewarm about it but yeah um, I, I enjoyed it a lot and I enjoy you know I enjoy going back to it it's my I'll, I go on record it's my second favorite Jurassic Park movie so hmm. I mean that's not that's not a bad spot that's a good one I, th- I think that's that's fair <laughs> So, but yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, again, we st- it's still a little less than a year away. No trailer yet. We're just we're just going on, you know, fumes at this point about what <laughs> yeah. to expect. Yeah, trying to podcast about it every week. You know, you come up with theories and 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 stuff, and try to branch out into other areas. But trying to think about what's going to happen, it just kills you. You know, every week you're like, wow, like we have no details. So it's kind of a well, interesting that's- time. I mean, that's that's why I admire you and the in general podcast gang, because, you know, you've all tasked yourselves with, you know, and that's what I love listening to both your shows is because you guys like keep the conversation alive. Like my podcast is more about, you know, memory and nostalgia and emotion and, you know, more about people's personal experiences and, and, mm-hmm. and you know, surrounding these movies. Um, you guys are always tasked with with keeping keeping the conversation alive and and i appreciate you know and as a fan i love listening because it's like there there's always got to be that that um space in the community where you can just be like oh my god there's a volcano you know (laughs) on a candy box art like what does it mean you know like oh there's a baby triceratops in the in the key art for the for the early you know promotional materials does that mean there's going to be a baby triceratops in the new movies and is it going to feature and is there are they going to write it and are they going to like redo the scene where lex rode the trice you know or was going to ride the baby triceratops in the original it's like just i you know there's i i love that space and, and so it's but yeah i i can totally imagine it being hard hard especially for fallen kingdom where it's like you know in and i think everyone's very um aware of of just how little morsels we get as Jurassic Park fans <laughs> versus, you know, uh, Star Wars fans and, and yeah. you know, some of the Marvel people who are always getting peaks and behind the scenes and everyone's really active on social. Our our fandom is very quiet, relatively. 
Yeah, you're right. It really is, especially nowadays when, you know, Ron Howard takes over Han Solo and posts what seems like a new picture every day. And, you know, recently we've been getting tons of pictures from The Last Jedi and stuff like that. So, yeah, we don't have trailers for either of those, but it seems like the, the fandom or the, I guess the creators are just allowing stuff to freely come out in a way that this, you know, Universal and the creators over here aren't. So I think maybe it's a good thing, but, you know, you don't want that overload. But at the same time, I'm like, just give us a little something to gnaw on for a little bit, you know? (laughs) I I remember some interview, Guillermo del Toro was like, I think somebody was, it was in this range of this kind of conversation where um, he was like, you know, if you give somebody... 10% 10% of something, you know, what, you know, quote unquote spoilers or whatever, or just, uh, you know, some sort of tease, then you can keep the rest of it a secret because you will satiate fans enough that they won't go looking for stuff. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, Jurassic w- with, you know, with Fallen Kingdom, like so many people were like, you know, it's just like, we're like, there's just some people who are like detectives, you know, like looking <laughs> up serial numbers and weird website domains to yeah. just, you know, you know, looking at the, the first AD's cousin's sister's roommate to try and be like, Oh, they were, you know, on set for the day. You know, it's just like, yeah. uh, you know, people, you know, I, sometimes you want, like you're saying, you know, it's like, if they just give us a little tease, maybe we won't, be scraping you know around for other stuff that maybe we you know we could you know that that reveal should be saved for when we watch the movie whereas oh you know maybe knowing showing us a a, you know a cool promo image of jeff goldblum back in character it's like seeing him again back in in the role of ian malcolm that's not a spoiler of what he's gonna look like unless he's you know a head in the jar or something but like (laughs) that's not a seeing what he looks like back in the movie isn't going to be a spoiler for us that's just going to get us excited you know it's not going to ruin it's not it has what he dressed like i mean again unless what he is dressed like it has something to do with the themes of the story you know if he's you know if he's been on you know if he's gone to live on the island and gone crazy or if he's he's joined up with the government suits to put a stop to Chris Pratt's character and Bryce Dallas Howard, you know uh, Owen and um, oh my God, why can't it? Claire? Uh, you know if he's gonna try and stop Claire, no, you know it's like you know maybe if what he's dressed up like affects the themes and plot of the story, but he's probably just gonna be wearing some sort of thing that looks like his outfits from the previous, you know from from uh, Jurassic Park and Lost World. So yeah. satiate us in that way, and then we won't try and sneak a peek where we sh- you know where we probably shouldn't i imagine they release a picture and he's just dressed in like all white and i'm like whoa like that's gonna give us something to talk about you know because the complete uh, opposite yeah. of who he is like that would be insane but not that i expect that to happen but that would be one of those things where you're like well this is a simple you know person uh, you know character reveal but he's wearing something completely different than uh, you know him to wear because the colors and everything makes such a big difference in the original movie. You know, he's wearing yes, black, yeah. Hammond's wearing white. So it'd be an interesting, like, turn of perspective there. Yes. And so that's a case where I feel like that maybe would be a. Maybe a little too much. <laughs> maybe a little too much. But I, I, I think in general, stuff like that isn't necessarily spoiling the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that example would be obviously. But in a lot of cases, sometimes just letting us know what the characters look like or even just in a great shot of of Claire and, and Owen, you know, back at it again, or, you know, yeah. 
or maybe a new dinosaur or you know something like that um, I'm, but I'm, i mean i'm surprised because there there has been so many leaks and and such throughout this whole you know uh production that usually when something like that happens they kind of try to you know cover it up in a way by releasing a, a promo image of some sort or, or something and they haven't done that be, you know even though there has been a lot of leaked stuff and we we essentially know a lot of what's going on and where things are taking place and, and even what some people are wearing. So it's interesting that they haven't tried to cover their tracks like that. I mean, I think there hasn't been anything as big as the, like, no feathers kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The Colin Trevorrow, you know, saying no fe- Like, there hasn't been anything like that where... um, Or the sort of early leaks of, like, you know, where people were saying, like, the, the the trained raptors and stuff, you know, that kind of stuff blowing out of proportion so that Colin Trevorrow and Frank Marshall and, you know, having to go publicly and be like, no, it's going to be this way. I feel like, you know, as far as leaks go, there hasn't been any... I mean, if anything, again, the leaks, the leaks that I've seen are getting me excited. So it's like, mm-hmm. why not tease one or two of them and then... You know, and then we'll we'll shut up until Thanksgiving when the, <laughs> supposedly when the new trailer comes out. But um, yeah. yeah, I don't think there's anything quite as like um, personally. I don't think there's any leaks that have quite sort of necessitated any kind of damage control. But who knows? Yeah, and it's funny because when the when Jurassic World came out, we got some stuff here and there, like the Mark Engler poster that was, mm-hmm. you know, the the raptor on the vehicle in in the jungle. And no, nothing, nothing happened from that. I mean, that never came true. And then the East Dock sign, like that, wasn't even in the movie. So all these things that got us hyped and pumped to talk about stuff never even came to fruition. So I'm, I'm even surprised nothing <laughs> that, like that, was, that has those happened. Those were, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I'm just surprised nothing like that has even happened. You know, like almost fake outs in a way. But it yeah, yeah. does sort of upset you as a fan, sort of like how people were. You know, uh, ranting about how, you know, Rogue One trailer yes. <laughs> was completely different from the movie. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? I mean, it's it's a, it's a curious approach from Universal to sort of take a step back from the marketing. I wonder, maybe they're, maybe they're almost being like, you know what? We didn't know that Jurassic World was going to be a big hit. Mm-hmm. So we're going to we're going to sort of kind of continue to try to be the underdog so that we're underselling expectations in case... You know, things don't. I mean, I've heard the budget is better for Fallen Kingdom than for the, you know, than for Jurassic World. So, who knows? Maybe they're just, maybe they're just sort of trying to take a backseat approach and see how that works instead of, you know, where you have a movie like I feel like all the DC movies. It, it was crazy to me almost that like, I feel like when Batman v Superman finally came out, it's like I feel like I've seen trailers for this for like three years. You know, yeah. it's like I wonder if they're maybe just like, you know what, maybe we're going to be the movie studio that doesn't say anything, so that when your movie finally does come out, it's or or even how I felt with some of the Marvel movies, some of the bigger Marvel movies, where it's like we're talking about it so much before the movie comes out that finally when the movie does come out, we're like, oh okay, that was cool, and then then there's no more conversation. Mm-hmm. So I think with, you know, and at least with Marvel and Star Wars, it's like, well, they have movies coming out every year, so they can afford to have the conversation end pretty quickly because you're just rolling on right to the next one. Whereas with Jurassic, you know, Jurassic World, it's like, that's the only, you know, I mean, there's probably a lot of crossover with Fast and the Furious, I guess, but like, and mm-hmm. maybe Minions, but, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, it's like, you know, we've got two to three years uh, you know, in between each movie. And so maybe they're just trying to like 
control the conversation but obviously us as fans we're just going to talk about it all the time no matter what so yeah it's a really tough call because i i wonder how it'll be received you know because jurassic world obviously made so much money and people were very excited about it obviously us fans but even even you know you know random you know theater goers were were very excited about it um yeah but there has been a lot of fallout, I feel like, and you know, even recently more so with Colin Trevorrow and stuff like that. There's been yeah. a lot of fallout. So I just hope they they planned all that into their equation, whatever they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure it'll be fine. You know, it is going up against a lot of big things that summer. So it'll, it will be interesting to see how it fares against, like, I think, you know, Avengers, I think, is coming out that uh, – Month, a month earlier, I believe. Yeah, I th- um, yeah, I think so, in May. You know, that's that's a movie with some legs, but yeah, <laughs> who knows? I mean, it, it might just blow everything out of the water again. So uh, I don't know. Yeah, I hope knows? so. I mean, yeah, I hope may- it does well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, I feel like the general audiences liked it overall. They had a good time. I think you know, us as again more hardcore fans, I think we're invested in having an opinion either way, and so there, you know. It's funny, too, because it's like there'll be days where people will ask me how I feel about it and I'll feel completely one way. (laughs) And then on other days, I'll feel completely another way. And then other days I'm like, well, let's focus on this aspect. Let's focus on this aspect that I it's like, okay, here's my opinion of the movie, but only in relation to Claire's character journey. Okay, here's what I think about the movie, but only in relation to the Indominus Rex as a you know, as a dog versus a Jaws like creature, you know, as a puppy Mm -hmm. versus, you know, that's finding its feet versus thinking about it as sort of the faceless monster that is always just pursuing. It's like, okay, here's what I think of the movie in relation to the other Jurassic park movies. Okay. Here's what I think of the real, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, we could talk about this forever. So it's like, I almost have to like, um, (laughs) what's it called? Like, you know, just segment your brain, you know, sort of, yeah divide and conquer in a way you know yeah and it's tough nowadays like you you try to tell people like hey uh you know maybe you should view it a different way a different angle and and maybe you'll find a little bit something different in the movie there um but it it, these days with social media nobody cares you know their opinions have already been set so there's almost no use in like trying to dissuade somebody or trying to make them you know have your opinion in a way but all you can do is try to I guess, persuade people to view things a little bit differently. And you might have to do it one issue at a time, like you said. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, you're right. It's, it's, it's one opinion, you know, the one opinion to unite us, you know, Lord of the Rings style, you know, the one ring, (laughs) the one opinion. Whereas, um, you know, uh, you know, to go back to X-Files, you know, then that new revival season was pretty much trash. Uh, And I think a lot of people feel that way. And a lot of hardcore fans feel that way. And I think, general audiences feel that way but at the same time there's there was something so exciting about seeing these two characters that we love back on screen and mm-hmm. the one um darren morgan episode was incredible with uh comedian kumail nanjiani as the guest you know as one of the guest stars and reese darby and like you know a- as fans it's it's nice that at least we can be in a community sometimes that is for the most part very open to having multiple opinions and in sort of contradicting opinions at the same time but yeah, sometimes when you only have 140 characters, you have to be like, <laughs> I liked it. It was fine. And you're like, well, that doesn't really sum up my, <laughs> you know, it's like the, it's like, it's like a, you know, it's, it's, 
anytime you give something a score or a rating, you know, you feel like you have to stick with it. But it's yeah, it could change per day. It's yeah, fluid. It's of course, quantum quantum criticism. You know, it, when you try and measure it, it changes. Yeah, opinions change. You know, when I first saw Jurassic Park three, I was severely disappointed. You know, I, I remember that situation being in that theater and when the movie ended, be just being like, wow, like. What 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 did I just watch? Like what happened? <laughs> and over time, you know, you Alan. you, you change. <laughs> you just change, you know. And especially, you kind of brought it up before about uh, what Prometheus and 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 uh, the what, Resurrection, right? Uh, There's so many uh, movies I keep forgetting. Alien Covenant. Covenant. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, you just your opinion changes when you view something new. So I feel like Jurassic World, in a sense, did that for me for Jurassic Park Three. I feel like <laughs> there's aspects of Jurassic World that that carried through and and could have been viewed a certain way in Jurassic Park 3 that you you almost change your opinion and you're like well maybe this movie was almost a setup obviously it wasn't meant to be that way but you can almost tie two and two together and 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 connect some dots that maybe maybe aren't there but sort of work yeah i mean i think it's i mean that's my big Jurassic i mean if we're talking about Jurassic Park 3 that's my big Jurassic Park 3 spiel that i always love to talk about uh, is that one of the credited screenwriters is Alexander Payne, who did Sideways and About Schmidt and The Descendants and somebody known for their sort of black comedy and satire. And so mm-hmm. in a way, I mean, again, it's that, you know, having multiple ways of enjoying something or multiple thoughts on something. But my favorite lens to view Jurassic Park 3 is through kind of this absurdist black comedy angle where... Alan Grant is sick of everyone, but he just can't get a break, you know? And I feel like to me, again, it's not, it's, I, you know, like you're saying, it's maybe not necessarily the intent of the filmmakers or, you know, you know, the over, it doesn't reflect the overall finished product, but it's sort of, okay, here's, here's that roadmap that I can use to sort of enjoy a movie in this kind of way. And so for me, Jurassic Park three, I enjoy it the most as a black comedy in that form. And mm-hmm. so I'm not saying that's correct or the only way to view that movie, but for me when I look th- when I look at it through that lens, it just it takes on a whole new life for me and I just appreciate it uh more than I probably would uh if I watched it another way, but Yeah. I could say the same thing about The Happening, you know? <laughs> Back when the <laughs> hype for that movie came out and you know, I mean at that point uh M Night was a little on his downward spiral, I guess, yeah. spiral I guess you could say, but you know, you expect the big things from him, and it didn't. It didn't work. It didn't work at all. But if you view it, view it as a comedy, it's like the f- funniest movie you could ever see. <laughs> Sorry, that was great. Oh my <laughs> god, yeah, you know, you're right. <laughs> I love yeah, it. I, I mean, love it. Look, I mean, you got to do what you got to do to in, to enjoy a movie. Sometimes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, opinions changing, and right now, what's your opinion on Fallen Kingdom? What do you expect? What do you think's going to happen? Do you have any hopes or expectations? My expectation, and this is a very specific fan thing, but we're here talking, so I feel like I can give a very specific answer that maybe doesn't make as much sense if, if uh, you know, some person who's only seen Jurassic Park a few times or, or you know, or is one of those people who doesn't even know that other Jurassic Park movies exist and only Jurassic Park and Jurassic World exist. Um, but I was talking to Chris from um, from Jurassic Outpost about this, a little bit and um and just 
my excitement level for for Fallen Kingdom. And I w- I went to Universal Studios about a month month or so ago, and seeing the Fallen Kingdom poster in the wild was so cool. And so my so my very specific answer is I feel like Fallen Kingdom. From kind of what I can tell, I feel like this is going to be the movie that really ties all the Jurassic Park movies into a it's going to be a uh, it's going to make this a universe I feel like that's what we've been waiting for because you know Jurassic Park and and Lost World are a lot more connected because they were made by the same filmmaker but you know there's a lot of there's a looseness to the sequels that feel like okay here's the next adventure but I I I have a very strong feeling um, and I could be wrong that um, Fallen Kingdom is going to be like no, here's how Jurassic Park 3 plays into this movie. Here's how Lost World plays into this movie. Here's how Jurassic World and Jurassic Park, you know, mm-hmm. before and after these movies. I feel like we're there's going to be a sense of history and continuity established in, in Fallen Kingdom that I think will be very different than any of the movies we've seen before. And again, as somebody who loves who loves Jurassic Park but also just wants wants it to be the biggest thing like the Marvel movies or Star Wars like I'm excited for that for that possibility yeah you're right the uh the through line that goes through all these movies is very thin you know there's there's little dots that connect everything but it's mostly just separate stories with some some of the same characters and some new ones but this I feel yeah you're right Fallen Kingdom is probably going to be the first movie to actually be like a direct sequel you know, maybe it does have a three-year gap or, or however many years or whatever, but it, it it will be like a direct sequel, essentially. And that'll be interesting to see how it encapsulates that movie, Jurassic World, and all the others, because I think you're right. I think it'll tie some threads here and there and connect some dots. And, you know, maybe it will travel the same kind of path as The Lost World did, or maybe, you know, maybe it will be as dark as that movie, but... But I don't know. I mean, it's it's all up in the air right now. But that's that's an interesting you know way to look at it at least. Yeah, I ju- I just think in, in terms of what excites me as a Jurassic Park fan, I think that's just the number one. That's the number one thing. Like I, you know, in Jurassic Park, you know, re- uh, recently rewatching Jurassic Park three, it's like oh, it's kind of cool. Obviously, having uh, you know, Doctor Sattler, having Ellie, you know, having Laura Dern come back and you know, having a reference to the, like, oh, I wasn't in San Diego or like, you know, having Ian Malcolm talked about a little bit Mm -hmm. like that stuff was like really cool. And I think Jurassic world has that same level. I mean, it's a little bit deeper because it takes place on Isla Nublar and we have Dr. Henry Wu coming back, but there's still that same, the references are very kind of cheeky and fun and Easter eggy, but they're not, fundamentally affecting the overall nature of the universe and I think I I don't know I just have a good feeling that um, and it might be dashed again but (laughs) uh, I have a good feeling that we're gonna you know it's almost like Rogue One in a way uh, like or even Force Awakens like both those movies kind of had fundamental things that affected the overall mythology of the universe and in in a way I'm, I'm hoping that Fallen Kingdom will do something like that for me so do you you know in terms of what i know about the jurassic park universe like i hope it creates a shift yeah are you into the idea of like this expanded universe with like other stories and maybe comics and tv shows and you know all this canon material i am it's and it again you know i'm not the first one to point this out but it is very interesting and and 
I just got to think that maybe monetarily it's just, you you know, I, I can't, I can't pretend to be Mr. Executive, Mr. Mrs. Executive and, and kind of know financially how all this stuff works or if it really even affects sales or, you know, but, you know, I, I mean, again, I feel like a lot of that supplemental material is really cool and really gets people excited in between the movies, but... I mean, it just seems interesting that if they're choosing not to do any of that stuff for these movies, I mean, there's got to be some sort of financial reason why it's not worth it or something. Because, like, mm, yeah. I would definitely be the fr- you know, they did do a Jurassic World Junior novelization, which uh, I feel yeah. like I don't feel like that many people know about or, or own, um, you know. But, uh, you know, and then there was some trading cards that were released in Europe. But, I mean, you know, no comic books were just now getting a Jurassic World video game <laughs> based on the new movies, you know, I mean, yeah. other than the Jurassic Park builder, the mobile game, but, um, yeah, I mean, it, it is, it's one of those things where you're like, yeah, because again, the Star Wars and Marvel fans were, you know, on, and I'm a fan of them too. Like you're so spoiled by all of this stuff, but it's like, again, I, I can't pretend to know the business side of things. And, and, you know, so as I'm wondering why there isn't tie in novels and video games and short films and, you know, I yeah, I just don't know, but I I would obviously love all that stuff. I mean, I'm Fry from Futurama. You know, take my money. You know, um, <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Speaking of, I guess the Jurassic Universe. I know you you wrote a book, molding a Jurassic Universe, and one, that's one of these things that I love about this community is people like you and others in the community. Whether it is podcasting, art, or writing, or you know anything, literally anything, we all do some really awesome stuff and it's great to see community members strengthening you know the fandom with stuff like this i i actually i really liked your uh, your book there it was awesome oh thank you that means a lot i really appreciate that thank you yeah the book was in a weird way i guess the book was almost like a preamble to doing this podcast because i i yeah. i think for a while people were even asking me like why don't you do a jurassic park podcast and it's and it's that thing where it's like you know every I think as a fan of something, you want to do it right. And so I think for me, I, I didn't want to do a Jurassic Park podcast until I could think of a way that only sort of adds to the community. And, you know, that's why, like, I have friends who have, I, I, I know like four people who do Buffy podcasts and I love every <laughs> single one of them, you know, because yeah. each one is a different, it's all, it's all, it's all a symphony, you know, it's all adding to the conversation. And so, um, you know, that's the same thing with, with, the see Jurassic right is I feel like it's occupying a different niche, but of, you know, of all the, of all the cool Jurassic park podcasts out there. And the book was, was sort of, was my first foray back into the fandom because, you know, again, you know, for us, like Jurassic park three comes out, you know, we're, we're checking Dan's JP three page every day. <laughs> um, hoping yeah. for something to come back. And, you know, eventually you go off to college and, you know, and again, it's like you're, I feel like the Jurassic Park fandom for me, you know, is kind of, you know, uh, didn't go extinct. It became a little dormant. And um, I think it was the, it was really the Jurassic Park 20th anniversary that sort of got me started to be amped again, but also discovering all these wonderful Jurassic Park tumblers and then check, starting to check out podcasts uh, like Jurassic Raptors, uh, Tumblr, really mm-hmm. great Jurassic Park Tumblr, and oh, yeah. I Heart Jurassic Park, um, and yeah. So the book Molding a Jurassic Universe was sort of my way of like, because at the time I also wanted to be, 
um, you know, I wanted to sort of do this sort of um, geeky journalism type stuff, you know, geek and sundry, those kind of places. Um, and so that was my sort of in a way for me writing those essays and creating that book was sort of my way of committing and being back into the fandom, like how, you know, you're doing this podcast. Like th- that was sort of my project to get back into the get back into the world. Yeah, exactly. The way I viewed it was essentially you were just writing your way through a podcast. Essentially, you know, you've got you've got it all there. You know, if you had just put that to word in your own words, that would have been essentially a podcast. And I love that about it because especially it's it's a it's a thing of its time, too, because you talked about pre-Jurassic world and what what things are like, what what's going to happen. And and that that was really interesting to kind of go back and wonder, like, or see where your headspace was at that time. Yeah, it would be. It, I I think it works well in that way that it's sort of. I mean, because we're never going to go back to that period again. You know, we're mm-hmm. never going to, you know, unless Jurassic uh, Fallen Kingdom comes out, and then Jurassic World three comes out, and then it's another twenty years. You know, another oh, fourteen years before we get another. No. You know, <laughs> a, a third Jurassic World trilogy or Jurassic Park trilogy, but it kind of felt like we were existing in a time where it was like we're never going to be in this space again. I imagine it's how star Wars fans felt in the early nineties where, you know, there was no new star Wars on the horizon. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I can imagine when George Lucas is like special editions and then prequels, it's like, and then after that, it's like, well, we're going to get now. There's never going to be a time without star Wars, you know, in our lifetimes. I, I I can't Can't imagine. imagine. No, I know. I keep thinking like, I'm going to miss Star Wars. Like that's I'm going to die and Star Wars is going to keep going. And I'm I'm not going <laughs> to know Wars what happens. All. Yeah, I'm not going to know what happens. I don't know if that's going to happen for Jurassic, but cuz you know, as big as it is for us, it's not necessarily the levels of Star Wars. Um maybe Harry Potter, I don't know. It's you know, that's pretty big too. It's it's in yeah, the top I, tier of films though, you know, it's uh, or franchises at least. Well, I mean, you know, one positive thing I think about is that you know, Universal Studios here in in Los Angeles, it's unlike Disneyland, they they replace rides. You know, your Back to the yeah. Future, your ET, those rides get replaced. Mm. But Jurassic Park, the ride has never been replaced in over twenty years, and so I just wonder. I wonder. It's yeah. I like that you brought up Harry Potter because the films were such a monolithic achievement in in a way that like Lord of the Rings was as well. That it's like. Oh, is anybody gonna try and remake that in our lifetime? Like, probably, yeah. maybe an HBO television series version of Harry Potter, where each season is like ten episodes. Um, but are people gonna remake Lord of the Rings in our lifetime? I mean, there's such a such a crowning achievement of our of this period of blockbuster cinema that it, I can't imagine somebody doing it in the same way. So it's like sort of out of the realm of our imagination almost. But um, yeah. You know, but again, with the example of Universal Studios, it's like, well, you know, you know, Jurassic Park, the ride was still there. They're they're never going to tear that out. So that must count for something in a way. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, and I've, I've been thinking about the park specifically a lot recently because of Harry Potter. And it seems like every other announcement is a new Harry Potter attraction. And I just keep wondering, like, how long can that last? Like, you know, yeah, obviously Disney keeps most of its rides like intact. There's a few exceptions here and there, especially recently. But, um, 
you know, how long can it keep a single franchise in a park that is constantly rotating now? You know, all that's left in Florida is E.T., you know, especially after Terminator's gone. It's that's it. You know, E.T. is oh, wow. the only one that's been there from the from the start. Now, you know, that's 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 something to, to think about, because I don't know what's going to happen. Are they going to take more and more out? Essentially, is it just going to be Harry Potter over time or what? But I, I you, you'd have to expect Jurassic World will be thrown in there at some point in the mix. Um, whether yeah. whether they do tear out Jurassic Park River Adventure or not, I don't know. But uh, there there has been thoughts about that as well. I've, I've heard people talk about that, replacing it completely, overhauling the entire thing or making a separate park on its own that's just Jurassic World. I, there's there's lots of rumors floating around there, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how, I mean, how long something like that can last. I mean, it could be a thing of like, you know, the Universal Studios, you know, um, Hogwarts and all that stuff. It, it lasts so long that when they remake Harry Potter in whatever the next form it takes, you know, they just sort of cover up all the images of Daniel Radcliffe with like the new young Harry Potter, you know, it's like, it just evolves into its next phase. You know, it's a thing where it's like, I wonder at any point if they were ever, would they ever, I mean, maybe if Kong Skull Island had, I mean, it did okay, but I wonder, or I don't actually know how well it did. I think it did pretty fine. It did did fine. Um, I think, I think it did well enough. Um, Yeah. But it's like, you know, I went, when I went to Universal Studios about a month ago, uh, it was still Peter Jackson's King Kong, the ride. You know, they didn't yeah. change that. So, you know, I yeah. Wonder... There's there's a weird like congruency between, especially in Orlando, like they have uh, Skull Island Ring Reign of Kong, and it has nothing to do with the movie like at all, which is called Skull Island. So it's this weird like integration where they're like, well, let's kind of benefit off of this, and that Universal, I believe, sold the rights anyway, so it's not even their property at the moment so that it's an interesting oh, you're you know, right, yeah. situation there you're right where they're just trying to benefit off of it in, in a way but but not jurassic they don't care about that in the parks let's not benefit off that at all well i i mean i was um because it's so long between when i go to universal studios like i think i went right before jurassic park 3 came out oh wow and then yeah. i didn't and then i didn't go again until uh like 2010 uh-huh and then I just went this year, and it's like every time on the Universal Studios tour, the one here in, in Los Angeles, uh, they keep adding more Jurassic Park stuff to the Universal, like the the behind the scenes tour, which is really it almost feels like another separate Jurassic experience because mm-hmm. they show the vehicles on display, except for the gyrosphere, which was removed for filming. Yeah, uh, you know, and. Um, uh, but they had they had the boat from Jurassic Park three. They had the trailers from the Lost World. But then they also had like, I mean, the rib cages were probably from the Lost World as well. But then they had the Dilophosaurus's like some leftover Dilophosaurus's from the ride. But they mm-hmm. repurposed them as part of the Universal Studios backlot tour, and they had a crushed Explorer. And so it was kind of like, oh wow, this is sort of an extra little Jurassic Park ride <laughs> yeah. in the middle of this other thing. Yeah, that's that's a really cool way to look at it i never thought about it that way and i haven't been out there in a long time uh to that to that park so it's all kind of you know new to me in a way like i don't remember i've seen videos and stuff but i i went out there man it was like oh i don't know 90s <laughs> sometime in the 90s yeah yeah so well, you a lot of that stuff see, wasn't there um you can even see the set for the lost world yeah uh, like the, the, the um tracker or the, whatever right the well game you trail. can see the um uh, what's it called? The um, you know where Vince Vaughn, 
you know, goes in and helicopter and calls the radio for help. You can see that. Oh, that section. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you can see that, but it's actually behind, um, the set for war of the worlds, the airplane, the airplane oh, yeah, crashing yeah. into okay. the neighborhood. So it's like, that's a big part of the universal studios backlot tour now. But, um, but behind it, it's like, like I'm just taking a peek, like kind of arching my neck to look over. And I'm like, Hey, that's the, that's the set from the lost world. Like, you know, the Isla Sorno, like, um, you know, workers village. Yeah. Set. And it's like, but it's not even on display. It's literally just like behind just something somewhere. else sort of off, you know, off the road. And it's like, I wonder if, I mean, I just wonder if one day maybe when, you know, I don't know, they get tired of showing this horrifying war, of the world's plane crash site that they take us through. If they, you know, if they would, um, maybe put it front and center someday and build a whole new Jurassic park, you know, lost world, Jurassic world, uh, related, you know, expanded even more. Yeah. Which would be you, cool. You got to think it's coming at some point and that, that would be a good way to certainly expand it without really having to do too much aside from clean up a plane crash. But you know, they wouldn't yeah. have to do too much, you know, to, to kind of add a few things and make it, you know, go through a Jurassic section in a way, you know, the, the skull Island ride essentially should have been a Jurassic ride before they, just chose they just went with kong instead and it you know it's so <laughs> weird in that park too there's zero transition it's just like all these different islands pertaining to certain things and then hey kong skull islands thrown in the middle and where where a jurassic ride was supposed to go so that's it i wonder if it's unfortunate i wonder if it's maybe just temp to take advantage of kong skull island this year but then they're quickly gonna like retrofit it back to be jurassic park related because it's like this time going to Universal Studios was my first time going on like the Transformers ride and like a oh, few man. of these sort of you know 3D rides. And All screen based, like, yeah, yeah. These screen based rides. I mean, they're kind of a Marvel technically wise, and it's like I almost want to watch a behind the scenes of how they built these rides because they're so mm-hmm. fascinating. But I feel like now Universal is building rides so that they could easily be retrofitted and changed to something else. Oh, absolutely, you know? yeah. Down, down in Florida, they just made Jimmy Fallon. Like, how long is that going to be relevant? You know, yeah. like Jimmy Fallon, the ride, Jesus. Yeah, like it's a it's a ride. It's like a Tonight Show ride, and obviously, the, I guess they could just update it as soon as a new host comes out. But how how long is that going to be a relevant attraction? You know that yeah, that's, that's so it, it's all screen based. So just switch it out. You know, eventually. But yeah. you know, we Jurassic doesn't have that, so there's no way to like update something unless you completely reskin it and there has been talks about um the company that did uh the jurassic world exhibition uh creature tech i think they did the animatronic for king kong in that skull island ride so there's been talk about them coming in and changing things out whether it's part of a new thing a new experience or maybe even the river adventure i don't know oh hell yeah i'm i'm uh i'm going to chicago in november so i'm really hoping to to uh, go to the exhibition i've been to the field museum before but somebody was like hey you know that the jurassic you know park jurassic world exhibition is going to be in chicago when you're in chicago and i was like shut the front door i'm (laughs) i'm buying tickets right now i don't even know if you need to buy tickets this far in advance or if you can but i'm gonna do it (laughs) yeah Yeah, man it it is amazing and i'm sure it's a uh, essentially the same experience but going out in philly a bunch of times it was it was exciting every time and it's oh, cool. totally so, worth yeah. it. Oh, that's so awesome. That's so great to hear. Yeah, man. It, it is 
it is really awesome, especially the ending. You know, it's you can spend it's essentially a 30 minute experience. But as a Jurassic fan, not just a normal, you know, a random, you know, uh, museum goer, you're going to spend a lot of time there. You're going to be like stopping at each scene for way longer than you should. Th this thing goes in waves. So it's like they they'll hold people off. They'll let people in, hold people off, let them in. And I just had waves and waves and waves and waves of people passing me. Yeah. Just like experiencing each of these segments and just like kind of standing there in awe because it is incredible. Like it does look fantastic. Oh man. I, I haven't, I haven't done too much peeking about what it's like. So I'm, that's good. Yeah. That makes, that makes me glad to hear. And I feel like I'm just going to kind of try to go in as cold as possible because I mean, why not? Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good thing. Cause I think you'll be shocked at the, the scope and, and everything and, and the detail. It, it's so incredibly detailed. They did a really good job. You know, you've, you've, I'm sure you've gone to other, you know, museum things before like that, uh, where they dress it up and create a, you know, a new, whatever, you know, experience. But this one is like fully detailed. It's, it's fantastic. Oh, awesome. Oh, man. I'm, 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 again, I'm going to buy my tickets now. I don't know if I need to, but I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> so um, why don't we actually talk about your podcast, See Jurassic Right? Sure. Um, so, uh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, I, we've kind of flirted with it briefly. Yeah, but, yeah. See um, Jurassic Right is really, um, it really is just about sort of how pop culture and in this case it's almost like a case study this podcast is a case study you could do it with you could do it with almost in a way you could do it with kind of any big piece of pop culture it's like how has blank affected you and because Jurassic Park has had such a influential sort of has been for lack of a for lack of a less punnier word a backbone in my life I, I just wanted to talk to other people who feel the same way and it's been really exciting, you know, each, uh, it's not a weekly podcast, uh, although at this point I've almost made it a weekly podcast with <laughs> yeah. all the different yeah, segments and things, <laughs> but, uh, cause I just wanted more excuses to talk about Jurassic Park, but the main episodes, which the first, you know, run or first season or whatever you want to call it, uh, will last until July next year. It started in May. Each episode focuses on a different theme or topic. And then instead of interviewing one guest, for, for a particular length of time, I interview a bunch of people about these topics. So we've had an episode where we just talked about Michael Crichton in relation to the Jurassic Park books. We just talked about uh, dinosaurs, or we just talked about the ideas of nostalgia and hype and wonder and excitement. And so sort of each... Uh, and the first episode is literally just a timeline of my life as it related to Jurassic Park. Mm -hmm. uh, so stuff like that, where these main episodes are much... I almost think of it as like, you know, it's a collage of experience and, you know, we've had phone calls and stuff from listeners and things like on the Michael Crichton episode, how this woman was born the day before Jurassic Park came out. And so her mom was reading Jurassic Park, trying to finish it before, like was reading it <laughs> as she was in the hospital, giving birth oh, to her daughter amazing, who yeah. was leaving, who left us this message. And so like. And the first thing her mom did after she had her was go see Jurassic Park in theaters because she had finished reading the book in time to have her child. Like, it's just stuff like that where it's like, amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, stories, uh, a friend 
you know, I reconnected with a friend who said that she's like, oh, yeah, I got married to the with the Jurassic Park theme being played on my wedding as I walked down the aisle. So it's that kind of stuff where it's like those key moments of your life and in a way, in a strange way, how this movie, Jurassic Park franchise, has affected your life. And so those are like the main episodes. And then I do kind of mini-sodes where I just kind of like how you have the mailbag where we, you know, people kind of call in and, and just leave their stories and stuff. And then I do the Fan Fiction Fridays where um, I have, yeah, my performer friends reading out loud and making fun of my childhood fan fiction because I think as kids we all wrote, maybe not all of us wrote fan fiction, but I think you can relate to how your imagination interprets the things that you liked as a kid again we were talking earlier about like what did your brain think about this stuff and so having fan fiction from when i was 10 years old is kind of like a record of how my brain interpreted the, those images and so these kind of things kind of form the podcast they kind of in different ways but the mm-hmm. but yeah it, it was because again i already had your podcast and i had you know the in general podcast to get my my fix of like the news and and the gossip and the incredible stories and stuff and just the the conversations it was like okay what could i do what what could i do to add to the conversation not just be redundant and so i've yeah. been thankful to talk to so many people who have incredible stories and voices and and interesting memories and and things like that and experiences and uh yeah so i mean it's just again it's just an excuse for me to talk about Jurassic Park all the time <laughs> that's all you need that's that's it that's the the best uh, answer you could give um, you know, um, that's the thing that I went through, though, like the same process in a way is there there was other people out there doing similar things. And I think, uh, you know, Outpost or JurassicWorld.org at the time, I think they were going as and uh, Jurassic Cast. And um, there was a few few different things here and there. But it's like, how can you find, you know, a different route, take a different route to make it a different experience for people and do something, you know, outside the box? Because they're used to hearing this style. So you want to do with something a little bit different. And that's that's what I love about yours. And you find that perfect, uh, you know, slot to kind of go right in. You almost take this like, I don't know, maybe like an NPR-ish kind of approach in a way. I don't know. <laughs> oh, like, I don't you. know what to call that's it. But I think compliment. that's, yeah, that's kind of the way I view it. Because you let people tell their stories. You don't, like, I've probably interrupted you like nine times already no. tonight. <laughs> but like, you let people tell their stories and, and, and give their experience. And like I said earlier in the show, like, I don't necessarily remember my first, you know, interaction with it, but it's really awesome to hear people that do, you know, hear how they do remember their first experience and and stuff like that. That's what I really love. And, you know, like you said, with our mailbag, I do love hearing from people that, you know, experience these movies in their own way. That's that's probably one of the best things about doing a podcast, I feel like. No, I agree. And and I think that's an element of it, too, is that like. Again, you know, there is a Jurassic Park community and we're out there, but it's almost like because it's not because it's just not as highlighted as some other fandoms. So it's almost like there's this more urgency to, like, find more of us, you know, yeah. um, and and for me as a as a podcast producer, that was another element of it, too. It's like I already have two weekly uh, two other weekly podcasts that I host um, and I produce, you know, I've produced it sometimes as you know produced slash recorded slash engineered as much as 15 podcasts at one time and uh you know i do this is my job is being a podcaster so i think for me artistically and just you know 
technically and creatively, I was like, okay, I want to try and do a podcast that is something more NPRish, that is something more like a serial or like uh, mm-hmm. uh, 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 Missing Richard Simmons or these podcasts that are more of these. Um, you know, there's less of them. It's not a weekly podcast, so there's more. Mm-hmm. There's more of an emphasis on each episode versus, you know, I, the Percast. Uh, you know, we're a weekly podcast, and I talk to all these incredible cat people, but it's <laughs> it's you know, and people about their pets and stuff, and it's so rewarding. But it is a casual conversation, whereas yeah, see Jurassic Right is music and and voicemails and different topics, and so much more. Um, there's just a lot more time put into each episode because just of the format, and that was something for myself as a podcast producer. I wanted to, I just needed a challenge. I just wanted to give myself a challenge. And the thing that I always realize, and like even when people ask me about how to start a podcast, it's like you're always when it comes to like learning a new skill or like learning learning a new you know a musical instrument, a piece of software. Um, you're always going to be slowed down creatively if you have to learn how to use that thing, and then so not only are you learning how to use that thing, but then you're also trying to be creative with it. But it's like mm-hmm. if you already know how to use that software, then you will it'll that'll free up the space in your brain to just kind of be purely creative instead of trying to learn something and create something at the same time. So for me, it was like, well, if I'm going to do this really challenging podcast where I'm going to do, you know, hours and hours of interviews, uh, you know, so that only like, you know, a five minute soundbite of somebody will end up, I mean, you know, they're carried across. That's the other thing about see Jurassic, right. That I love is that you, in the 15 or so main episodes that I'm doing, you're kind of hearing the same voices pop up again and again on different topics. And that's, that's exciting for me. But again, it's that thing where it's like, I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this challenging podcast, you know, challenging technically for me, what's the topic that to me is that I could talk about efforts effortlessly and think about effortlessly. Well, Jurassic park, this is the only thing (laughs) where I would, again, it's that thing where it, it just, I needed the, the challenge here was technical and creative. And so I, I Jurassic Park was then the natural candidate for something where I, I you know, I'm never going to run out of things to say about it. So I was like, yeah. okay, well, if I'm going to give myself the hard work, the, the, the technical hard work, then I should at least make the creative part or the, you know, that part, I should make that part easy for me. And yeah, talking about, and be, but I mean that, has, but it also has challenged me to think about the films and stuff in new ways. So, I think it it's been working out really nicely, and it's been so much fun to do. Yeah, and I, one thing is interesting is you almost you know you're the the host obviously, but you almost edit yourself out in a way. You know, like I said, you let people tell their own stories, and your your podcast is specifically about telling a story. So, like you said, it's it's t- I guess it takes a lot more time because you have to edit everything appropriately and get things in the right order. You know, you're talking to different people, different stories, and editing it all down into a format where you're telling a specific story that one week and it, it uh, you know editing podcasts every week i can definitely tell you know you put a lot of effort into finding <laughs> the right storyline you know to get everything right and to be emotional because i feel like that's what it is it's it's not just you know a daily pod or a weekly podcast where it's just like here's here's this stuff you know here it is it's something that tells a story and, and is emotional something that you can connect to yeah, I mean, I just wanted people to get as emotional about it as as I think you and I and, and your listeners know as well. It's like this has affected our life in ways that feel important and meaningful. And, and to me, when I, you know, I listen to a handful of 
you know, television and movie podcasts, um, you know, X Files Files when that was on, yeah. Go Bayside, uh, you know, uh, things where it's like I loved the little anecdotes of how this, you know, of of people talking about when they watched it as a kid or something. And I was like, what if I just did that as a whole podcast? Like, and so, um, yeah, I mean, I just, it was again, giving myself a challenge and, but at the same time, it's like, like how you're saying, it's like, well, I just also like, can I just talk about Jurassic Park every week and, (laughs) you know, every, every month or, you know, create a space where I can, uh, where I can, I, that's the thing I've noticed about getting older. No, I mean, it's just you want to surround yourself with the things that you like and and you love. And if you can create a space where you can enjoy those things on a daily basis, it's like, why not shoot for that? You know, if there's a way that I can do it that doesn't exhaust me, uh, I'm going to try and go for it. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what this does is it gets you in, involved with people you never thought you'd know. You know, yeah. you 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 make friends and, and create this community of, of listeners and, and all this stuff. And it's just, it's really, really exciting. And, you know, you go places you never thought you'd go in a community, you know, maybe, maybe other podcasts are different that don't necessarily focus on a specific, you know, franchise like we do, but um, yeah, there's something different about that. And I love the the community interaction and all that. And, and you've got that like, tenfold it's like crazy the amount of people that are are calling in and telling their stories whether they are like huge fans or not because i get that sense maybe maybe people are just kind of telling their story that they remember or maybe they're super fans i don't know do you find that that some people are just like casual fans i i think it's a mix of both if anything what i found so far is that there's a lot of people who were impacted by this movie for just speaking specifically about Jurassic Park who almost didn't realize it until you know they sort of didn't realize it until it was sort of brought to their attention and sort of <laughs> you know I mean and that's that's the biggest compliment is that thing of like oh my gosh and that was kind of my journey in a way where it was like Growing up, I loved Jurassic Park, but then as I got into high school and kind of fell out of geeky fandom and stuff and, you know, was a pretentious film school kid and every, you know, and stuff like that. But then as I was sort of discovering, um, rediscovering the Jurassic Park fandom, it's like, oh, yeah, this really did impact my life in a positive way and really means a lot to me. And I think of anything I've noticed and I've heard from listeners and stuff in more in that vein of like that they're going on that similar journey as well. And so mm-hmm. that to me is like the more rewarding part, whether or not, you know, they were a hardcore or a casual fan. It's almost like they've been a fan all along and they almost didn't realize it, you know? And, and to me, that's, that's been kind of my journey as well is going from hardcore obsessed. And I would say I'm more obsessed with Jurassic Park than I've ever been, which is saying yeah, something considering when you're a kid you could never be more obsessed with anything you know because you yeah. literally had all the time in the world to be obsessed with something yeah it's weird how that works <laughs> i don't know why it's why it's happening now but uh i agree with it with that sentiment it is like you know more popular for myself at this moment too it's weird i don't get it yeah. but <laughs> i mean i guess i'm just yeah yay for being I, an adult in this sort of weird nerd mecca that we live in right well now. it's like you said there's so many people that you can relate to and, and gravitate towards that you don't feel you know singled out in a way because when you're growing up you don't necessarily think that there are any other people 
that like this thing that you like. You know, they're, yeah. they're all everybody looks at you like, hey, what, what are you talking about? Dinosaurs, Jurassic Park, who cares? But once you open those floodgates and you realize there's there's forums, there's websites, and all of a sudden there's there's social media, like the entire, you know, you can find like a specific group of people that will talk to you 24-7 about this franchise. It's it's an experience, and I, I love it. I, I've loved the amount of people that I've met and come across and, and met in person that, that talk about this. And, you know, you see these people online, and then all of a sudden they're standing right in front of you, and you, you don't have that awkwardness. You know, like like I'd never talked to you in person before, but we can sit here and have an hour and 19 minute conversation about <laughs> Jurassic Park. No problem. Yeah, no, that <laughs> that that's the fun. That's the fun part of it, too, is that you can again, like we could probably talk for four hours or, you know, all, all night, probably. And yeah, same thing with, um, you know, I was very lucky to, you know, I was just recently on tour with the the podcast that I do uh, that I produce an engineer called My Favorite Murder and mm-hmm. um I was very lucky to meet a bunch of Australian and and New Zealand and Kiwi uh uh people who listen to my podcast and it was like oh my gosh I'm like halfway around the world and somebody is handing me uh, um you know a, just very sweet like had found in a thrift shop the you know the OG Dimetridon Dimetrodon I was I still pronounce that the way it is <laughs> a kid, a Dimetridon Dimetrodon <laughs> handing me the OG Kenner Dimetrodon figure being like oh I found this and thought of you because I enjoy your podcast and like just being so incredibly touched that anyone would even think of me in that way or or to see that and be like because I feel like that's the same for you where it's like there's people in your life where, where it's like, oh, I saw this Jurassic Park thing and immediately had to share it with you, had to send it to you. And I think, I mean, I don't know. That's just like, I, I feel like that's really nice when people see something and then they think of you when they see it. I think that is a incredibly underrated, uh, it's an underrated feeling. I don't know if it's a feeling, but it's just like an underrated sentiment where you know there's those people in your life where you're like you see something that's related to dogs or you see something that's related to the hunger mm-hmm. games or whatever like this you know pancakes i don't know uh <laughs> you know this thing reminds me of you and i think that's such a sweet thoughtfulness and so to experience that on on a level where it's beyond just close friends and family as i feel incredibly lucky to have that yeah and uh you mentioned it earlier but uh your fan fiction episodes i i absolutely die laughing like every time i'm listening to it 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 cracks me up because it's it's all of us you know we all had those moments and wrote or thought about or wrote these stories and stuff like this or drew them out and i love the fact that you have people that that read them and they're almost almost like confused and surprised by (laughs) everything that they're reading it's it's really hilarious to hear somebody who doesn't necessarily know what they're about to read just embark on this this journey of of your writing it's you know how how i don't know how many uh, years old at this point but it's it's really hilarious to listen to and it's actually you know like i kind of like listening to that fan fiction it's fun oh thank you i mean it's (laughs) I think if you, I think if I was any older, I would, you know, because I actually, uh, I still, I think it's actually archived somewhere, Dan's JP3 page, but I do have some fan fiction from when I was a little older on there. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I don't need to share that. That That's <laughs> like when I'm, that's more tied to being more of your adult brain. But I think having it be the child brain 
and I think also giving the space for my, you know, these performers and my friends to sort of jab at me and make fun of me, I think makes it really, um, I think that's what kind of ties it all together. But I was just thinking the other day because I mean, you know, I don't, that, that obviously isn't going to last the entire run of the podcast. So I'm like, Oh, I, I don't have any more fan fiction that I could share. So I'm like, I wonder if anyone else, like, did you write any Jurassic Park fan fiction as a kid? I I definitely did. I don't have anything that that uh, you know is laying around anymore. But that was one of those things. Like I would write stories based around it, or you know, like adjacent to it. Yeah, tried to do something along those lines, and and did a lot of drawings for it. But oh, cool. yeah, everything's probably gone. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what? It, just let me rewrite it in what my what I assume my yeah. childhood brain. What would, would I have said back <laughs> in that time? when I could barely write and, and pronounce words and all that stuff. So yeah, that's yeah. the, that's the funny part is like you said earlier, just trying to figure out what these words are and, and what your interpretation of that storyline was and, and how you focus on like specific parts, specific beats of, of Jurassic Park and maybe the lost world. I forget what time frame you wrote it, but that, uh, that maybe didn't mean anything at all later in the franchise. It's kind of fun to look at it that way. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it was written, it was written after I saw uh, Lost World, so okay, that's no right, Jurassic yeah. Park three on the horizon. Yeah, um, in my mind, you know. So it was just, I mean, the way I kind of explain it every episode up top, I think, is just a good way to think about it. It's literally just a mashup of the first two movies on a new island. Like, that's basically it. But again, yeah, it, it, the weird interpretations of it that I think are. And again, it's it's my friends and, and these performers who are doing it to me that make it just... I, I like the way you describe it, where they're sort of like unraveling it as yeah. they go along. They're sort of just like, what is up with it? Like, <laughs> yeah. And it, it, yeah, I mean, I would love to read, you know, I, I want more, you know, I want more people to share their fan fiction with me because it's just so, it's just so, it's just funny to to see how you thought as a kid. Yeah, Un- and unfiltered. You know, you know that is your purest. You know, I'm writing mm-hmm. this book. Um, you know, writing this book. Book is a very generous phrase. Uh, <laughs> I'm writing this in this notebook, scribbles, and it's like, oh, that is me, but 20 years ago. Yeah, like, that's how. When else do you have access to something like that? Yeah, it's a strange feeling looking back on old notebooks and stuff like that, seeing the things you drew and wrote. Yeah, where was my head at that point? And yeah. I, one of the things I love about yours is I'm pretty positive. Correct me if I'm wrong, that you you just incorporate a lot of like the Kenner toys and stuff like that into your story. It sounded like. Yep, I I appreciate that, and that's so. Fu- I mean, and that's it's funny that you say that because it really didn't even hit me until right now as you said it. Because like in the most recent one, I think I talked about these hang gliders, and it's because yeah. there's that there's that. Ian Malcolm hang glider figure, <laughs> looking you know, at it right now, awesome yeah. hang gliding scene we all remember from the Lost World. <laughs> um, but you're right, I, it, that didn't even that didn't even really hit me until right now as you said it. But yeah, yeah man, there's, there's like just playing with my toys. There's been several nods. I, I've as I've been listening, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that he's referring to this or that. Like I think, um, one of your guys like Jackson, Jaws Jackson. Oh yeah, Jaws Jackson. Yeah, that. he was like, one of the the one trackers. Of the toys. Yeah. And and yeah, you mentioned the hang glider, and you, you actually like detailed the coloring and and what's on it to the T. You know, it's like exactly the way it was represented as a toy. And I'm like, he's just literally sitting there, like probably on the floor, like with his notebook. He's got his toys in front of him. He's he's essentially creating this universe that he he brought to life via toy. 
Like now yep. it's a book or, or you know stories. That that's such a I didn't even <laughs> think about it that way, but I mean that's totally true. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. I gotta write a story because I have the headless Owen. I bought a, Whoa. I got, I bought the Owen, uh, you know, motorcycle from uh, Target, and it came without a head. So I'm like, I should, I should write a story around the, the headless Owen, like maybe a Halloween story, I guess, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Not sure if it's as endearing as a child writing it, but uh, you know, it might work. Yeah, I think, I think, I think <laughs> your listeners and, and I definitely want to hear it. So. Oh, for sure. But, you know, I think we're kind of winding down, but I do want to introduce kind of like this new thing I, I came up with. Uh, you know, I've heard it a lot on different podcasts and stuff, but um, I wanted to do a kind of rapid fire questionnaire. So all you got to do is answer either the question or give a yes and no answer. And I think it's going to give us some some real insight. Maybe you've been lying this whole time, but I think this will give us some real insight <laughs> into how you feel about this franchise. Oh, love it. I'm so game. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna um, give you a one minute time frame here. So, you ready? Yep, I'm ready. All right, let's do it. One, two, three. All right, JP, The Lost World, JP three or Jurassic World? JP. Feathers or no feathers? <sighs> no feathers. JP area in Universal Orlando or Hollywood? Uh, Hollywood. All right, good one here. Gymnastic scene, yes or no? Yes. Alan Grant or Malcolm? Malcolm. San Diego, yes or no? Yes. Sarah Harding or Claire Deering? Ooh. Uh, Claire. Is Ben Hildebrand the worst, yes or no? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Michael Giacchino or Don Davis? Michael Giacchino. Novel or film? Film. Should Kelly have been cut from the team, yes or no? No. Tocito Don or Pepsi-saurus? Uh, Pepsi-saurus. Roland Tembo or Robert Muldoon? Roland Tembo. Which film raptor is the best? Oh, there we go. That's the end. <laughs> oh, what was the last question? Just so I can hear it. Uh, where was I? I? I think I was asking which film raptor is the best. Oh. Oh, man. I think, I think the originals. I'm just going to go classic on that one. Yeah, I kind of agree to a point. Like... I feel like I look at them in different aspects, like which one's the scariest, which one looks the coolest, which one's more accurate. Um, but yeah, I think I think the the originals are probably my favorite because they are terrifying. Yeah, I mean, I I think with Lost World, I think they get the short shift a little bit, which is mm-hmm. fine because every I mean, I feel like that's always a problem with Jurassic Park movies is that balance between showing new dinosaurs but also giving the older dinosaurs their due because we want to see them return. But yeah, I, f- I wish we had another. I wish Lost World had another scene with Velociraptors in it, just just to kind of push it over the edge because I think yeah. that would push it over the edge for me. And those those were such great designs. Like those are the probably the coolest looking ones. You know, yeah. they they look so awesome, so the evil. Tiger, tiger yeah. raptors. Oh yeah. So I guess uh, I guess that wraps it up. I uh, I think you passed the test there. That seemed good. That was that was. <laughs> I guess you'd like the films. It's it's obvious. Um, but I know everybody that's listening, they're gonna want to track down all your awesome work and bug you on social media. So where can everybody find you online? Well, you can always find me uh, at Stephen Ray Morris. That's Stephen with a V and Ray with a Y. Um, and you can always check out see jurassic right if you just type that into itunes you can grab that or you know wherever you listen to podcasts and it's at sjrl pod 
sjrpod on Twitter and see Jurassic Right on Instagram and Facebook. So yeah, just go to all those places and you can see what I'm up to and see new episodes. Um, do you know when this comes out, by the way? Um, I got to look at the schedule. Uh, I'm oh. not sure exactly. <laughs> well, there, there'll be something cool happening. So I'm sure there'll okay. be something cool happening. So you can, nice. I think at any time it'll be fun. So Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on here. This has been a lot of fun and we got to do this again. Oh my God. I would love to do it again. This was such an honor. I, again, yeah, like this, we could talk all night. So, but yeah, we'll, 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 we'll save some of the reserves for next time. <laughs> but this was, yeah. this was such a blast. I really had such an amazing time. Thank you. Awesome. Well, I'll have everything, uh, all your links and everything in the show notes and you can find them on dressparkpodcast.com. Um, if you want to check everything out, so I'll have all your links there. So thank you again. And, uh, why don't we head out of the visitor center? All right. I guess we're, uh, we're out of a job or we have a job. <laughs> don't, don't you mean extinct? <laughs> Take it easy, man. to visit JurassicParkPodcast.com to find all our past episodes, brand new news articles, information on how to contact us, and much more. It's a great source for everything related to the podcast, and of course, Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. Head to JurassicParkPodcast.com and help us build a great community. Thanks for listening to the 119th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. Of course, a big thanks to Steven for joining me in the Visitor Center today. I had a blast learning about his history with the films and getting the inside scoop on See Jurassic Right. I really think it's a wonderful addition to the Jurassic podcasting landscape, so make sure to go give it a listen on any of the podcasting platforms and let him know that you checked it out. Follow him at Stephen Ray Morris and at SJRPod on Twitter and Stephen Ray Morris and See Jurassic Right on Instagram. Instagram. Don't forget you can find all the links in our show notes. If you want to interact with us, we do most of our work over on Twitter at Jurassic Park Pod. We're also on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Jurassic Park Podcast, and our Instagram handle is at Jurassic Park Podcast. You can listen to us via iTunes, Google Play, Podomatic, YouTube, our website, or wherever else podcasts are found. So make sure to subscribe to automatically get new episodes every week. If you haven't already, please give us a five-star review in iTunes or a great review wherever you listen to the podcast. It will seriously help out our rankings and make it easier for fans like you to find us. We're usually spotted commenting on the Jurassic Park subreddit as Jurassic Park Podcast. Don't forget to check out JurassicParkPodcast.com for all the links you heard here today. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us with any news stories, MP3s, comments, or if you want to debut a segment of your own, send them to JurassicParkPod at gmail.com. Or you can submit questions directly on our website contact form. If you'd like to record something for the show, send it in to us and we'll feature it in an upcoming episode. If you don't have any way to record, you can give our voicemail line a call and leave us a message. That number is 732-825-7763. Thanks for listening, and enjoy. No, I'm, I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. You will remember to wash your hands before you eat anything. Five minutes. Drop what you're doing and leave now.